Hello and welcome to the Good Business Podcast from the Digital Business News Network. I'm guest host Drew Hendry and in these episodes we're meeting with great businesses and finding out what makes them tick and about their unique paths to success. Here at the Good Business Podcast, we know it takes a lot for businesses to keep reinventing themselves and to keep moving with ever-changing trends and customer needs. That's why we wanted to sit down with Jim from Dixon's of Inverness. The business has been operating for over 20 years in a sector that has largely been dominated by multinational brands. And that's also the case in Inverness, where almost every car showroom has been bought over by those self-same national brands. Yet Dixon's has remained independent and continues to thrive. This episode is called Independent Business, Independent Thinking. And I wanted to learn from Jim his thoughts on what it takes to compete in such a challenging marketplace. As you'll hear, Jim's passion for his customers and his team make it easy to understand the business's continued success. Jim, uh, thank you for joining us on this DBNN Good Business Podcast. It's great to see you here, Drew. I'm glad to invite you into Dixon's. Thanks. We believe that people are at the heart of good business, so we want to hear more about uh, you. Tell us about your own journey to where you are now. Okay. Um... Well, the motor trade's my second career. I uh, started my uh, life in the RAF, uh, in air traffic control, and spent 12 years in the RAF. And then got moved around so much, I decided, that's enough. I want to buy a house, want to settle down, and decided to get into sales of some sort. Mm-hmm. I ended up, for my sins, going into an insurance background for maybe a year or so, and then moved in as a salesman down in Dundee uh, in, in the motor trade. Uh, and within a year or two, my boss down there brought me up to Inverness, to Dixon's, uh, wanted me to run the Honda site, which we had then in 1998. Uh, and I ran the Honda site as a sales manager here. And for the last 25 years, I've been at Dixon's and for my sins, I've been promoted up into <laughs> the director's uh, as a sales director here at Dixon's. Who or what? I mean, we're sitting and behind you is a, a quote from Napoleon Hill, the uh, business uh, guru, uh, saying about whatever the mind can uh, can conceive and believe it can achieve. Yeah. What has intri- influenced you most uh, during your career? What's Who's been your inspiration? Well, well certainly in the motor trade, Alistair Scrimger, our chairman, um, who's been my boss since I arrived here, has always m- made sure that we, we promote within the business. In my RAF career, I obviously progressed but when I came into the business here as a salesman, I made it quite clear I didn't want to sell cars on the floor forever. Um, and he quickly made it clear to me that, you know, as long as I got my head down, worked hard, I, I'd get some promotions within the business. And I was driven really, uh, I, I had a young family at the time, I was driven really to make sure I could um, provide for my family. And uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was driven to try and get more involved in the business side of things here. Um, and went from management into obviously covering all four of the mm-hmm. brands here. So yeah, that's, that, that's what's driven me. And as sales director now, uh-huh. uh, what yeah. motivates you most in the business at Dixon's? Here now? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the twilight of my career now. I'm, I'm getting on. I've probably got six <laughs> or seven years left. Uh, but we have a new managing director who's come in, Fraser Bryce. Um, and he's 10 years younger than me. And what motivates me now is we've, we've got 60-odd staff members within the business, all Dixon's people, and it's taken quite a long time to get that, but we now have really virtually all of them are Dixon's people, they really want to work for the business. What motivates me is to see them with their young families and see them bring up their families within the business 
in the Highlands, not have to move away to find that kind of life. Um, and I'm enjoying watching these people develop and, and come up behind me, if you like. So that's mm-hmm. the motivation. The, the title of this episode of the Good Business Podcast is Good Business, Independent Business, Independent Thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us a bit about what it's like being an independent business in a sector that's dominated by national brands. Okay. Well, that's one of the reasons I moved to Inverness. When I originally started in the motor trade, I worked for a, a, a company that had many franchises down in Dundee. Uh, and what appealed to me was I'd have one boss, he owned the company and we were independent. And I think the big thing that's, that's made a difference for us over the years is we can make changes very, very quickly. So we, yes, we have a board of two or three directors, but we, we can make changes in 10 minutes and, and move the business forward or fix things very quickly. And I think that's the, the joy of being an independent business. You know, we don't have layers to go through to make decisions. But it must be challenging not to get crowded out by national marketing. It must take what, independent thinking to, to compete. So how do you tackle that? Yeah, I think, I think that's right. And I think in the early days in the motor trade, everything was, we, we advertised through the newspaper and press. It was difficult then because some of the larger companies had a much larger budget than me mm-hmm. and could, you know, plaster the papers with adverts. Things have changed dramatically over the last 10 years. And I was lucky enough to get into the digital world quite early on. I went on a course um, out with the motor trade that taught me about AdWords and Google, etc., etc. And then now we, with our budget, which is still fairly high, but nowhere near the size of the, the national uh, companies, and we're able to compete now locally because we can pinpoint our market mm-hmm. through digital advertising. And that's, that's made a huge difference to us. Tell us, what challenges has the business had to overcome to stay as successful as it is today? What was the hardest okay. part of that, that challenge? Well, it seems to happen in 10-year runs. So I, I joined 1998. 2008, as you all know, we had the massive recession. And the biggest challenge there was to... What really mattered to us was to hold on to our staff if we possibly could. And there was a massive redundancies in the UK because of the, the recession then. We managed to keep most of our staff on board by either um, freezing wages or making some people part-time rather than losing them, trying to keep them with us. But definitely in that time, that was the hardest challenge. We had to make some redundancies and a lot of our staff are friends. You know, my yeah. staff, I, I, we know our staff very, very well. And to sit opposite someone who you know really, really well and tell them they're going to lose their job because the company can't sustain the, mm. the wage bill was very hard. Yeah. So that was definitely one of the challenges. We got through that and we actually managed to re-employ some of these people mm-hmm. in, the, in 2010 and so on. Um, obviously, lately, we all know what the challenge has been in the last two years. We won't say that, well, we will say the word, but, uh, you know, COVID's created a, a serious problem. Yeah. But we were able, again, because we're independent, to embrace it. Mm-hmm. And what we did, we had to shut the showrooms, but we quickly mm-hmm. realised that we could sell cars online. And with my digital partners, Techlan, and one or two other people that we use, we adapted our website quickly mm-hmm. and were able to talk to people in the Highlands and sell cars to them immediately mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. And actually what it's done is it's brought our digital side of the marketing forward probably by five years because we had to rush into getting it all ready and, mm-hmm. and able to deal with what was going on. You, you talked about the staff and I, I want to talk about your team in more detail a little bit later on, but yeah. how important 
uh, is it that your team are invested in the business's vision, its uh, its goals as yeah. it's going forward? Well, it's vital. You can see behind me what we think, and we have a we have a sales meeting in here every morning at eight thirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless, doesn't matter what we're doing, we may have nothing to say, but it's important if someone has an issue, has a problem, if we have issues between members of staff because they're human beings. Uh, we like to find out very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and regard the investment, I think to a man now, right down to, and not down to, because the Valentin team are every bit as important mm-hmm. as the people that sell the cars and, and service the cars. Uh, I think now we're very lucky the staff buy into the Dixon philosophy and realise that working for a family business has lots of advantages. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's important they understand. Uh, we, we, in a sense, we profit share. We try and bonus the staff on the basis of where we get to, yeah. um, and that's a form of profit sharing. And that goes right down to you know small bonuses for uh, some of the other admin side, etc. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we try very hard to get them invested into the company and see what we're trying to do. Nothing is hidden. This room, you might not see it all, but we've got things written all over the place mm-hmm. here. People can walk in here and read what we are attempting to do. And mm-hmm. um, if we have future plans. We don't hide it. If we can possibly tell the staff without upsetting someone outside, we'll make sure our staff are the first to know that we have future plans. Yeah, so I, get, I can agree with that. Having come in and have a look, you can see that it's very clear that you're very open about what you're doing, yeah. sales figures, all the rest of it uh, on there. It, it, it is a different business. You mentioned that you know it's a kind of family business, a different approach. Tell us something interesting that people wouldn't necessarily know about this business. I think one of the things is Dixon's is quite a well-known name and a lot of people associate us with Dixon's. There's a Dixon's in Perth, for example. Um, so, so the company, this may be a bit boring, but it's the only thing I can think of that might be it. The company started off with a, 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 a chap called Tommy Dixon down mm-hmm. in the Perth area. Mm-hmm. And actually, Alistair Scringer, our chairman, bought the northern side of the company out up here. Mm-hmm. And so we kept the name Dixon's. But we're actually totally separate from the Dixons in the central belt, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we get quite a lot is people, can I just get a car delivered to your site down in Perth? <laughs> we're, no, we're, not, we're nothing to do with that, yeah. Dixons. Um, so, yeah, people aren't aware that we, we are solely in Inverness now. And uh, we're trying to keep everything in this area, down in the cars. Mm-hmm. We could spread our wings and buy... Um, properties up in the other parts of town where the other uh, motor dealers are mm-hmm. but what we, we've realised this side and down the Merkinch of Inverness side of area needs this, they need you know, a boost mm-hmm. in the area and, and, mm-hmm. and, and for jobs etc. People that have never seen the cars where you're, you're based at the moment uh, wouldn't know that uh, the building we're in just now is one dealership but there's a number of other uh, you know, dealerships, different brands of cars that you've got spread yeah. around this, this footprint, different buildings with different uh, We've kept them all within so, so that we can keep uh, the admin part of the business mm-hmm. and myself and Fraser and so on uh, within a walking distance of mm-hmm. everywhere all our businesses, we've got four or five buildings round about mm-hmm. us now, yeah. they're all within a two minute walk mm-hmm. and uh, it's quite important that we make sure that we're physically in these buildings every day so people don't lose touch of who we are and what mm-hmm. we do. Talking about every day, what, what are the biggest challenges facing your business right now? Biggest challenges at the moment, uh, we, we, we are expanding and mm-hmm. we financially can do that. Mm-hmm. Biggest challenge is now finding places to expand and, and, and we want to remain here so we really don't want to just take any old part of town and build a site. Mm-hmm. So what we're trying to do is expand the business but within this area and obviously that's limited for us. Mm-hmm. Um, Fraser Bryce, our MD, is um, very much, you know, let's get it done type of chat. 
And uh, what what we're doing now is looking at expanding, maybe taking on another couple of franchises in the next year or two. Yeah. And our biggest challenge now is where do we put them? And we need them or want them to be, again, within a five-minute walk of here. So mm-hmm. that's a challenge. Um, other challenges, um, we're obviously never sure what's going on in the motor industry just now with semiconductors problems um, in manufacturing. A challenge right now is we are ordering vehicles from our manufacturers um, and we won't get them for five, six months, seven months, eight so months. You've got that expectation yeah. management thing to, yeah, to deal with. Yeah, people don't realise, you know, in, in yeah. a sales team, sales teams are paid on commission. We mm-hmm. pay them a basic salary, of course, but the, the, the top up that pays for the little bits and pieces mm-hmm. comes from commission. So we have to decide, well, do we pay these guys on order and suffer the, the consequences that we haven't been paid for the car yet, mm-hmm. but make sure they're comfortable? And, and of course, we would do that. So there are challenges there to keep your staff on board and keep them motivated when they're selling cars and can't get them for eight months. Yeah. It's quite a challenge. And keeping the customers on board. So, yeah, the, the semiconductor problem at the moment in the world is a big challenge for us. So how do you continue to, to learn things, to stay on top of the, uh, the, the changes uh, to deliver for your customers? Yeah. I, I've always been a believer of getting uh, information out with of the motor trade. So, again, when we go back eight, ten years, I, I, I went and uh, took courses with a company called Sewell's down in the north of England mm-hmm. and uh, learned quite a bit about the way the internet worked. Um, there's a couple of people, I won't name names, but people that I'm interested in that are, are, are public speakers. I like to get out and listen to them out with the motor trade. And I think that's how we keep a wee bit ahead of the game. We, we, we're not just waiting for things to happen within the motor trade. We're finding out what's happening out there. Mm-hmm. And again, we, I'm fortunate I'm able to come to my chairman and say, I'd like to change some things, boss. Mm-hmm. And he'll turn around and say, do it, Jim. Mm-hmm. If you make a mistake, if it's a mistake, it's a mistake. But go and do it. Let's just change what we do, change the direction. And uh, that's where I get the inspiration, out, out with the motor trade. And how's the pandemic changed your thinking on how you're engaging with customers now? Yeah, We were very aware, more so for the staff, to be honest. The customers, of course. But our staff probably were the, the people we had to make sure we were t- mm. taken care of first. So when we brought staff back into the business, of course, we had social distancing measures put in place. We had all sorts of signage within the building. We had screens put up for our staff and customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we were very aware we had to make sure there was a, a physical presence within the business that was showing the customers that we cared that everyone was safe. Um, we still get that now, of course, because it continues. It's eased slightly because we don't have yeah. to go and you know set an order around the business and so on. We're lucky we have large buildings, so we can have people there. So yeah, I think I think that the pandemic has made us realise that people do have a concern about their health, and it was easy for us as business people to think, let's just crack on, let's try and make the business work, and forget that you know, so-and-so within their families, we, they don't want to come to work right now because mm-hmm. they realise they're putting the rest of their family at risk. So we're very open-minded and allowed the staff to come back in stages or uh, the ones that could mm-hmm. work from home, not many in this business, unfortunately, but the ones that could work from home could work from home. So mm-hmm. it opened my eyes into, there's a human element within the business we need to look after, and, mm-hmm. and, and that was the, our main concern. You, you were talking earlier about, you know, the, the challenges of, you know, making differences to how you market your business. Um, how important is marketing to your business and how do you decide how to go about that? Well, I, I'm the marketing department, so, uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not only the sales director of the business, I look after the marketing. I'm lucky I've got partners like Techland, who I mentioned the, the earlier. The buck stops with you, yes. But yeah. On the marketing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but again, I'm lucky we can change things. Again, with this digital age, you have to change things hourly. Mm-hmm. So we now, 
I would assume within a larger company they have to go through stages. An email goes to so-and-so, so-and-so clears it, we get it up online, we put it on our website. Now we can clearly put stuff straight onto our website, information mm-hmm. on our website within 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important now, the way things mm-hmm. are. People expect that. Mm-hmm. Um, regarding response rate to customers, we, we, we get many, many uh, inquiries overnight now, for example. I, I wanted to ask you about how important is that has been about connecting more with your customers online. Yeah, yeah. Uh, vital. Yeah. Um, it used to be someone, not, not just for, and we're forgetting the servicing side here, mm. but servicing is very, very important as well. But yeah. in the old days, someone would come down to a motor site, walk around a load of cars, have a look at them, pick a car or get a salesman, grab them and get on with life. Now what happens, the customer does all their homework online. Mm-hmm. They then contact us either by email, chat, uh, telephone, mm-hmm. however. We have to respond to these people within 20 minutes. We have to. So if you're not responding to a customer within 20 minutes, they switch off. Yeah. And that's 24-7. Mm-hmm. So we don't employ our staff, don't expect our staff to be up all night, but we have a company that responds to these people during our closing hours. And it's human beings, they're not mm-hmm. robots. They, mm-hmm. they respond and they will say, look, we'll get someone in touch with you at eight o'clock tomorrow morning, but at least they get a human being talking mm-hmm. to them. And I think it's the same everywhere. If you mm-hmm. want to buy a pair of trainers, you expect a response when you send a message. So it's the same with us. We, we have to, and that's changed everything. Mm-hmm. It's a 24-7 business. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fantastic yeah. because you can, cap, you can capture that customer if you yeah. do it right. And, and people obviously get that urge to look at a vehicle or uh, yeah, at, at the time when they it's convenient to them. So yeah. you've got to, you've you've talked about how important to your business adaptability is. Um, can you share a time other than the pandemic when your um, your business has had to adapt uh, to changing circumstances? Okay. Well, as I said before, certainly in two thousand and eight, we had to adapt quite mm-hmm. quickly. Um, other other times, it's usually down to manufacturer changes. We we may, for example. Uh, for example, I came to yeah. start with Honda. Now, for for various reasons, we decided to part company with Honda and had to find another manufacturer to deal with. So my role as a sales director or as a sales manager changes dramatically. You've got to build new relationships with another partner um, and you've got to quickly get running again with that new partner. Mm-hmm. So we've had several of these occasions um, where we've had to change the odd partner for whatever the reason may mm-hmm. be. So we have to adapt quite quickly that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we're fortunate with our staff uh, in the motor trade. We've kept our staff and held on to our staff mm-hmm. fairly well. And I think it's because we look after them. Yeah. Um, but if you lose key people within the business, that's another problem for us us in, you know, in trying to adapt and make sure that the well, staff... You know, I, I said earlier I wanted to come back your team and it seems a good point to come back to now. I know investing in your team is really important to you. Uh, can you tell us what you do to promote skills development and uh, do you have an example of any successes you've had? Yeah, absolutely. Um, skills development, we, we use the manufacturer training because it's second to none. They invest mm-hmm. thousands if not millions of pounds into training uh, technicians, training salespeople, training admin people, training marketers. So we make sure we're on the manufacturer programs with all these people. So as soon as a new start comes with us, they're put through a program that lasts their whole time with us Mm because everything is changing all the time. So they go on a program with the manufacturer and they get most of the training from the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. We do some on-site training and that's really just trying to get the person to understand Dixon's and realize that yes, they work for Nissan, Kia, Suzuki, MG, uh, but they, ultimately they work for Dixon's mm-hmm. um, and we develop them that way 
examples of how that's been successful. Um, my sales managers that work for me now both started as salesmen. They've developed and they've, they've developed and been promoted through the company. And the, on the after sales side, we have um, after sales managers who came to the company and would work mm-hmm. in the service department. And they've been promoted through into after sales. We've got um, technicians who've trained and are now foreman if you like within the company and have have come up through the company and trained so there's a number of success stories I could bring each of them and stand them in a line and say that chap started there and Mm -hmm. he's there. It it seems an obvious question but do you feel that having investing in skills development benefits your customers? Absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely I think the customer expects professionalism when they come into a business they expect the staff to know what they're talking about Um, a lot of the, the training is based on customer satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So although you might go to Nissan, Kia, Suzuki, etc. for training, it could be just to teach you how to talk to mm-hmm. customers. Yeah. And that, that's 50% of what they learn. Mm-hmm. So it's about, yeah, of course the customers um, uh, expect it. And I think we're able to give them the experience that they yeah. want when and, they come in. And you find that the, the, the team members are happier because they've got that, that training experience behind them. Yeah, there's nothing worse than, you know, not knowing what you're going to talk about, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, there are occasions where we'll put a new start mm-hmm. in and, uh, you know, I'll have a wee cringe when I listen to what's going on. But very quickly, one of the senior members will come and help that person. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing about this business I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I from my office, I can hear what's going on out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, none of them are going to let them drown. Yeah. So someone has to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, yeah, I, I, there are moments where you think, oops, let's go and help that person out. One of the impressive things about your business, Jim, is that, um, you know, somebody's come into it and seen how you operate. It seems like you almost have an understanding of your customers as individuals. Um, I, how, do, how do you go about doing that? How do you understand your customers? Well, yeah. I think me personally, yeah, yeah, myself and Fraser Bryce, so sales director, managing director, we have offices right on the showroom floor. Mm -hmm. Doors are open 24-7 and we're here. So, Mm -hmm. for example, I've been here 25 years, Mm -hmm. Drew, so I know a lot of my customers. Mm -hmm. But I won't sit in my office. If I can hear a voice I recognise, I'll Mm -hmm. come out and say hello Mm -hmm. and I'll make sure that they know that I'm around and I want to chat. Some of them I started selling cars to 25 years ago, mm-hmm. although I'm a bit lazy now, I don't go yeah. on the floor and sell cars much yeah. now, but I'll make sure they've not been forgotten. Mm-hmm. On the after-sales side, it's similar. You know, they, they know Linda in after-sales, who runs the after-sales department. Most of these customers know her name because she, she'll mm-hmm. come out of the office and speak to them. And we've, we've promoted that in the business because I think it's very important that people mm-hmm. know who are, who's running the business as well as the people on the front line who have to face the customers every day. And your customers across your brands come back to you time after time, don't they? Time and time again. Yeah. Very lucky. Yeah. And I think because of the brands we have, some have jumped ship within the brands, and that's good, it's great. And Some have stuck with us. We've got customers that have had 30 Kias off us, for example. Mm-hmm. One customer, you know, mm-hmm. over the last 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Within that family may have bought up to 30 cars which is incredible Mm -hmm. Um, and um, yeah it's great it's fantastic that they want to keep coming back to us as you 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 said your customers are coming back time and time again but nowadays there's more likely to be from customers that you don't know a conscious consumerism uh, approach it's that that approach is now at an all-time high customers are more likely to be driven by a commitment to making purchase decisions of a positive social economic or environmental impact mm-hmm. so tell us what your business uh, does to offer a conscious consumer uh, okay. something different I think in the motor trade that's quite 
a simple answer. Yeah. And we've moved into electrification and we've had to, we've had no option. We would have anyway, mm-hmm. um, and a, as a number of businesses in town they have. Um, I think the problem up here in the Highlands was we're a bit slow in getting off the mark with that, but it's really taken off now, Drew. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, probably a third of our demonstrators we run are electric vehicles, sole electric vehicles. Another half will be hybrid vehicles. And within three or four years, we won't have an option anyway. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to run uh, electric vehicles. And we're delighted with that. It's not a problem. Mm-hmm. The biggest challenge now is getting the uh, points within the area that we can charge these mm-hmm. vehicles and make them work properly mm-hmm. for us. Also, as we develop our sites that we're developing, we'll look carefully at how we build them, etc. These buildings are older, so it's more difficult for us, but mm-hmm. we'll make sure that when we're developing... So, we'll so you're looking to adapt in order to uh, meet the challenge of climate yeah, change? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. and we'll do that. So how has the drive to be more climate conscious impacted your business model? You're talking about that electrification there, but mm-hmm. that must have been, been a real sea change in the way you're looking at business going, not only now, but going forward for a few years. Yeah, and certainly for me, I've had to look very carefully into how the infrastructure works. That's that's the bit that I can't control. And so we we now, when we sell vehicles, for example, we may have a customer who lives in Caithness, and they want uh, an electric car, mm-hmm. but it may be the wrong advice to give that particular customer mm-hmm. because they don't realise they're going to go 120 miles and have to charge that vehicle. Mm-hmm. So we have to think environmentally, how can we still give this customer great advice? So we, we would discuss hybrid vehicles with them or mm-hmm. an option where, you know, be sensible of what you're doing. And so how it's affecting me is out with my business really, that the, the business has to run along the lines of going with the manufacturer. But we have to be sensible when we talk to the customers and realise that up here in the Highlands, mm-hmm. we have to wait till we catch up in effect uh, and give them the, the proper advice that's re- required. Mm-hmm. So you, you've been talking a lot there about changes you're making now because of the, the future and things that you've said that, for example, with the legislation coming in to phase out new petrol and diesel, uh, you're going to have to change things. Going forward, what advice would you give uh, to young people looking to get into this business to do what you do now? Okay. Firstly, work hard at school. We have to count. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not the smartest person in the world, but mm-hmm. counting's part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, by all means, e- early on after your school time, you don't really have to move into further education mm-hmm. if you want to get into the motor trade mm-hmm. because a lot of the training is given um, on sites in, in this business. Um, if you were to join us in any form, whether it be in the sales service side, um, most of the training would happen on site. Mm-hmm. Be a hard worker, be committed, and you will progress. Businesses like, we, you know, we see, I, I can already pinpoint mm-hmm. the people within this business that are going to, if they stay with us, do very well mm-hmm. in the business mm-hmm. yeah. because they're committed, they're hard working, and they're willing to learn. And they're customer focused. So, so what? What's next for your business? I mean, we, we've talked about the, 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 the change to electrification, but what area of your business do you think has the most growth potential? Okay. Well, recently, if you'd asked me this a year ago, we would have said on the after-sales side. Mm-hmm. For example, the, the business uh, three, four years ago had about nine technicians across the board. Mm-hmm. We've now got 18 technicians, which is 18 ramps, yeah. 18 spaces we can get five vehicles in a day to service them. So the biggest growth definitely within the business was on that side and we've ramped it up by 100%. Um, In order for us to continue to grow, and we want to take small steps, we don't want to go mad, 
we know we would we, like to take on another couple of franchises mm-hmm. within the business, but try and get them located here. That way we can invest into the electric model. There, there's some mm-hmm. electric vehicles that are coming in the next five to 10 years that interest us. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we're going to try and get involved on that side of the business. Do you think hydrogen will be part of the Possible, the yes. Yeah. Um, people we're talking to at the moment have both, and therefore we would expect that will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to make sure we've got the facilities to cope with that. You know, electrification alone, we, we, we've got to get different power supplies put into this building because it can't mm-hmm. cope with all the charging points we're going to require. At the moment, we've got about six charging points across the business. We really need about 30. Mm-hmm. And to get 30 charging points into a business this size, it's not a matter of just plugging them in. Yeah. We've got to get the, the electric board to put the facility into us so we can cope with the pressure mm-hmm. of that. So we, there's quite a big investment there. There's investment in, in some buildings, etc. And, and if we want to get some more franchise business mm-hmm. on board. Yeah, Jim, you've given us a really good overview of, uh, of Dixon's. Is there anything else you'd like to share with listeners about Dixon's of Inverness? No, I, I, I just, all, all I can say, I'm not a part of the original family. And Alistair Scrimger's family and, and Fraser Bryce now has a, a percentage of the business. But what I will say is um, this business has allowed me to develop mm-hmm. my skills uh, I think I'm a people person. I think when I was in the RAF, I was a people person. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just proud of the fact that we've managed to turn the business into, hopefully, a friendly environment for people to come and either get servicing done or purchase mm-hmm. vehicles from us. So I'm just proud of that fact. So a couple of last things. How can our listeners connect with your business online or in person? Very simple. Go to the website, mm-hmm. Dixon Inverness, Google it, we're there. We're, we should be right at the top if my digital partners are doing their job correctly. Um, and on there, there's various ways of getting in touch. There's phone numbers, there's chat lines, live chat lines. You're not talking to robots. There's people on the end of the line. Um, you can email us, you can telephone us, and you can ask for any of us directly. You know, we, one thing we make sure is if someone phones up and says, I want to speak to one of the bosses, myself, Fraser Bryce will phone that person back. Uh, because it's important yeah. we, we touch base with these people. And finally, Jim, this podcast is about getting to the heart and soul of good business. Mm-hmm. What is at the heart and soul of Dixon's of Inverness? I think the heart, the communication, the internal communication within the business from right from the top, right through the business. We're great communicators. We make sure that everyone knows very quickly what's going on, be it good or bad, they're aware of it. We don't like rumours. We don't like that kind of stuff. So I think the heart of the business is we work from the director's side through the management structure into the other members of staff very quickly. And I think that's the answer. It's, it, we're, we're in effect, we're one body and we communicate within that body very quickly. Jim, thank you very much for taking part in this Digital Business News Network uh, podcast on good business. Pleasure, Drew. Thanks for coming. This episode of the Good Business Podcast has been brought to you by the Digital Business News Network. Find out more both on this episode and others with businesses making an impact at dbnn.news.